Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. One Football Women's Football Podcast is back and this week we have got a Her Football Hubs duo with Jay Lewis. How's things? I'm good, thanks. Good. And also we have got Megan Hughes joining us. Great to have you with us, Megan. Thank you, Thank you for having me again. No worries. Right, well, let's get cracking because there has been some big, 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 big news this week, of course, in women's football. Carly Lloyd has announced that she will retire later this year. James, what was your reaction to this news? I was really shocked by it because just when they got knocked out by Canada, she was doing sprints after the game. So that made (laughs) me think she was here for another five years. And then all of a sudden she's retired. I think this is Carly basically saying that she's human and that Obviously, the sprinting does hurt now, so it's not the same when she was younger. So I think she also realises that the teams around them are getting better and maybe she just doesn't want to lose. So just go out on a somewhat high. Yeah, true. I mean, maybe the uh, what happened at the Olympics was a bit of a, a a kick to kind of say, listen, the things aren't what they used to be, so you need to make a decision, maybe. I mean, also, like, not not to be ageist, because, I mean, you look at some players that are st- have played into, you know, late 30s, early 40s, but, you know, she is 39 years of age. She's had a, a, a long career. Reportedly, she has said as well that she wants to, you know, like, stop to have a family and stuff like that. Um but yeah, I think she's definitely, you know, paid her dues at 39. Um, you know, like we say, this comes after the Olympics. The USA did, of course, get that bronze medal, which I think for anyone else would have been good for that Team USA. I'm sure they were probably absolutely livid. Um, since the Olympics, um, we've spoken about it on the podcast last week, um, but there have been calls for maybe some of the older players in the team to hang up the boots. Megan, what was your opinion on all of this, that the USA perhaps need to be looking towards future stars and maybe toss a few of the older players into the bin? Yeah, I think there's a really fine line, isn't there, between making the most of your experienced veteran players whilst at the same time de- developing the young players and bringing them through the ranks as well. Obviously, the young players will ultimately look to the older, more experienced players um, on the pitch um as they just have obviously you know game management and they know what to do in certain situations and this is what the young people need to learn from but then at the same time obviously these young people that as James was saying you know they're fitter they're sprightly they're they're always bringing something new to the game so I think it's a really um it's a really fine line to get correct um, and I think what we did see at the Olympics was that some of these older players, some of the big household names, but obviously as they are getting older now, perhaps we were starting to see them kind of lagging um, and the pace of the game, we could kind of see starting to get to them. Um, so it's a difficult one, really. I think uh, especially for Team USA, they have so many incredible older players that have done so much for the team and will still continue to do so much for the team. Um, but of course... I think it takes a good manager and a good player to know when the time's right and enough is enough um, and start bringing some of the youth through the ranks. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, talking um, talking about that that team USA, you know, not even really, um, you know, her team in in the domestic leagues. But Jay, what kind of impact do you think this will have on that USA team? Mm, like boys to men said, it's the end of the road. Oh, I think they're all they're all in the group chat saying, you know what, I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna leave. If I'm she's going, leave. I'm going. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit of a flurry thing because I believe this USA team is very much together. So, especially the senior players, they've all been around each other. They've all succeeded with each other. So I feel part of them might say, I don't want to play with the the generation that's coming. I just wanted to be with the team that we had when we were successful. And that's fair enough. Sometimes, like, they're at an age where they don't have time to constantly teach. They just want everyone to be together and just know what they're doing. So I feel... This will actually give a chance to all those young players. And maybe Team USA isn't as dominant for the next seven years and things like that. But at least we'll start to develop new superstars. Because like Megan Rapinoe, she can't be a superstar forever. Eventually, other players need to come. Just like what's happened with Canada and like Christine Sinclair giving the penalty to Jesse Fleming. Like Sometimes you have to pass the baton over and say, you know what, it's not our time anymore. Let's move out of the way. So I think that's what is going to happen to Team USA. All the seniors are just going to move out of the way. Seven years, you know. I don't know how Team USA fans are going to feel about that. Like, what, seven years without the success that we're used to? Are you crazy? (laughs) (laughs) But I I definitely get what you mean in that if you've achieved so much with a certain group of people, it's not always, you know, necessarily a bad thing to think. I, I don't want to have to, you know, go through the highs and the lows and the work to get to that success. You know, like I've had it with, with this group of people and, and I'm kind of good with that. I, I do get that. Um, Megan, you know, talking about um, Megan Rapino, do you think that she may follow in her footsteps? I mean, potentially. She's also, obviously, um, age isn't really on her side. She's 36 years old now. Um, so she definitely is. I think it's fair to say she's definitely coming towards the latter stages of her career. But that's not to say that she still doesn't have bags of talent. I mean, I think it's it's really um, unique to each player as to when they decide to kind of hang up their boots, um, whether it's to do with family reasons or if it's fitness reasons um, or if it's even a manager saying, you know, you're too old for us now. You, you, you're not what we're looking for anymore. Um, it's a difficult one, but I definitely do see, I think it's fair to say that these will probably be the lessons that we see the legend is Mirapino playing. Yeah, I mean, it, it will be interesting to see what um, what her next uh, move is. Um, but yeah, I guess, you know, uh, Lloyd is, is 39, maybe Megan's got a few more years, who knows? Um, I mean, um, you know, Lloyd did of course have that loan spell at Manchester City in 2017 um but of course she will be retiring with two world cups two olympic gold medals jay what do you think that she will be remembered for the most i say it has to be the world cup in 2015 when she scored the hat trick against uh, yeah. japan and that long range effort cuz it's like even if you type in carly lloyd on youtube that's one of the first things that comes up and then the fact she did it on a big stage like the World Cup, how she scored, how far she scored the hat trick and things like that, it just kind of shows how amazing of a striker she is in her heyday. So I think that will always have her up there. Yeah, definitely. I, I would agree with that. I mean, it was one of those 
really iconic moments and and I'm glad that she's got that definitely um of course she is at Gotham FC who are currently third in the league above Portland um below even um Portland Thorns and North Carolina Courage um now earlier in the season they did manage to hold Portland to a draw they recently lost 1-0 to North Carolina I mean Megan it would be great if they can you know kind of hold on to one of those top spots to see them in the playoffs, you know, for her final season, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think, especially for the team as well, Gotham FC, they're a very um, newly formed team. Um, it's great to see them doing so well in a league that is dominated by the powerhouses such like North Carolina and Portland. Um, so, yeah, it'd be great. I mean, everyone loves the underdog, don't they? And especially to see her involved, it'd be great for, for the neutrals and the fans, really. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it would be a really great way. I mean, whatever happens in the playoffs happens. But yeah, I think for them to get to that point would be a really good moment for the club and, and obviously for her. Um, speaking of the of the league in, in the USA, Jay, have you been watching it? And if so, what, what have you made of the season so far? Uh, I, I watched bits and pieces. I am a, a, what's her name? Olivia Moultrie super fan. So okay. <laughs> that's the thing. Like, as people are talking about Carly Lloyd and Mega Rapino, I'm talking about the Olivia Moultries that are coming. Sometimes it's about focusing on the youth. So I think it's great that she's at a team like Portland Fawns that are doing so well. It means you can only learn from, like, people that are succeeding. But one thing I will say on the USA, I like calling it the USA League because it does benefit mostly the USA players. Mm. But they need to leave Amy Turner alone for playing football. That's all she's doing. She's just defending. Because I've seen a lot of like people attacking her for the tackles she's making. Like mm. honestly, she's just given a hundred percent. Yeah. It's, there's nothing more to it. Like sometimes a tackle won't be perfect, but would you rather just let someone just get past you? Would you would the fans rather just watching people run past them? No, tackles are a part of the game. She's a no nonsense defender. That's just how it is. So yeah, leave Amy Turner alone. That's what I'll say on the NWSL. Well, there you go. You have heard it here first. Hashtag leave Amy Turner alone. Um, I was getting kind of leave Britney alone vibes from that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, with her being, um, you know, a former Manchester United player, I will back you on that one. Um, (laughs) And a fellow Northerner from Sheffield as well. Um, But yeah, no, I totally get what you mean. I think... um, you you see a lot of defenders criticised for certain things, but, you know, what would you rather somebody not try and put in the effort and at least try and do something about it? I get what you mean. Yeah. Um, Megan, what, how about you? You know, what have you made of the season? Have there been any players in particular that have stood out for you? I feel for me, and I probably this probably won't come as a surprise to many football fans, but my standout um, in the NWSL is definitely Ashlyn Harris. Um, she has pulled Orlando out of too many ditches to uh, to count at this point. She recently, I think it was five straight penalty kicks, I think was the total um, that she saved. And I mean, Orlando, their defending is interesting at best. So the fact that they can rely on such an incredible keeper, they're, you know, they're very lucky to have her. But um, I mean, I think that is some record um, and I think she's she definitely has been on the end of a lot of people's lips at the moment. I think it was came as quite a shock. Say the Olympics, 
so I think this is almost like vengeance, isn't it? It's kind of showing this is what you could have had. So definitely for for me, Ashlyn Harris has been incredible so far. Yeah, most definitely. And I, I'm really intrigued to see, uh, you know, what happens with with Orlando Pride. Because when you look at that team, there are some really talented players. I mean, obviously, Marta sticks out. But, like, there are so, so many talented players. And I was talking to, um, to Kylie Strom a few weeks ago on the podcast about her move there. And, you know, how amazing it is to be surrounded by so many good players. And, you know, I, I'm really, uh, I'm, I'm intrigued to see what they're going to bring to the table, especially, like you say, with a goalkeeper that's been on such brilliant form. Um, but yeah, I'm sure we'll chat uh, more about the uh, the season over in the US, um, you know, as the as the weeks go on, especially uh, as we wait for uh, more football with the uh, Women's Super League. Um, but let's chat about a couple of transfers um, in the UK. Um, we did touch on it last week on the podcast, but of course, Arsenal and Man United have new managers and I just wanted to get your opinions on them. Um, I'll start with you, Jay, obviously. Um, I know that one of uh, one of these uh, new managers will be uh, a, a big thing for you. So uh, I wanted to get get your thoughts on these two, uh, two newbies. I'd say, honestly, is the best policy. I do not know enough about Jonas to say, oh my God, I'm so glad that he's here. But I can see that he means business from just how he's taking the training sessions. He's bringing his own philosophy. And I get better vibes than I got from Joe. I didn't feel that Joe was confident in what he was doing. I see Jonas. I see, you know what? He knows what he's doing. Like, I feel like even in times of adversity with this Arsenal team this season, I feel they'll look to Jonas and Jonas will actually give them the advice that they need. I don't think they'll just be alone. So... Already, I'm getting better. I'm getting a better aura from Jonas than I'm than I got from Joe. So I'm happy with him. Okay, good. And uh, obviously, I know you're uh, not as um, emotionally charged about the Manchester United manager, but um, but um, a a good a good um, manager for the club when you consider all of the things that have reportedly been you know going on in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't sound very confident there. <laughs> I think Mark Skinner will. He... It's it's difficult for him because this is not a team that he has picked, but he has more kind of been given to him. So I feel this will be a good test for him as a manager. How great of a manager are you if you can help this United team finish where they finished last season? Because I think that is your that is your goal to finish yeah. where you did last season. No better, no worse. Just finish there. Yeah, I mean, I am a little bit of a pessimist, so I would I would tend to agree with you on that one. Megan, can you give me anything to feel a little bit better about my club? Or <laughs> I really, I really wish I could. I really wish I was saying yes, but I don't know. I think he's been presented with a really unique challenge with the Man United squad that he's got on his plate. Obviously we all know you've had lots of departures. Um, Mm. The team has really been um, mixed up this, uh, this year. So I I completely agree with Jay. I think realistically your goals this season have just got to be cement your place in the league. Um, but it'll be really interesting to see how he works with the players he has at his disposal. Obviously, a lot of big names have left the club and there's been 
lots of mixed opinions on how, how Manchester United have dealt with, you know, their signings and their management of the coaches and the players and the conditions that they're training in and whatnot. So I'll be really interested to see how he kind of overcomes these challenges and deals with them and whether he can make a success out of this United team. Me too. I'll be very intrigued to see what happens. Um, yeah, I've uh, I've got my fingers crossed. That's that's all I can really say about it now. Where uh, we did talk about it last week on the podcast as well. So I'll leave that one there. Um, looking at some of the other transfers that have happened recently, um, West Ham have recently signed Arsenal's Lisa Evans. Jay, what do you make of that one? A good signing. If I speak, I'll be in big, big trouble. So I have okay. to be very careful with what I say. Okay. Obviously, she's a huge fan favourite. No one likes to see a huge fan favourite leave to go on loan. But this is this is what I like about Jonas. He's realising that you might not be at the standard that I want my starter to be at. So I'm going to send you on loan where you can get the game time you deserve. So it's like he understands that she, Lisa Evans probably isn't in Jonas's long-term plans. Otherwise, she'd still be here. So it's like... I think by her going to West Ham, she can really help West Ham. And then if she has an amazing season, then Jonas will say, actually, maybe I was wrong. Come back next season and let's do this. So I think it's it's a match made in heaven for both clubs. Yeah, I mean, it's worked for West Ham before. I mean, looking at the men's team... It worked for Jesse Lingard. Who's to say it won't work for Lisa Evans? I mean, you could argue yeah. how well it's worked for him, but uh, that's another story. But yes, uh, <laughs> I, I get what you're you're saying with that one, and it'll be interesting to see how she does. Um, touching slightly back onto Manchester United, but talking about Spurs as well, there were rumours that Man United were interested in Kaya Simon, but she's now made the move to Spurs. Megan, what do you make of Spurs and their transfer window? Could they be challenging a little bit more in the upcoming season? Yeah, I think Spurs have definitely laid down the gauntlet with um, who they've been bringing in and out of this transfer window. They've been obviously no stranger to making lots of signings, um, which sometimes can be a good thing. Sometimes it can be a bad thing. I think when you're bringing in a lot of new personnel, obviously the key thing about a team to be successful is they need to work well together, they need to gel. And obviously if you've got a lot of new faces in the team, that might that process might take a little bit longer than usual. Uh, but that's not to say the uh, the players they have, they've signed um, don't have absolutely bags of t- talent. You know, like we said about Kaya Simon, she's a proven goal scorer. I think she'll be really threatening for their attacking force. Um, another another person they've brought in in this window that I think could be a real asset to the squad is um, Asmita Ale, uh, the defender from Villa. She's, you know, a, th- a class, young, but class uh, defender, England international. I think she was one of Villa's best players last season. Um, So I think she'll also bring, despite being so young, I think she'll really strengthen the Spurs team. So yeah, it'll be definitely interesting to see how they can challenge with all these new players this season. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what they do because... um... Yeah, I've, I was left feeling a little bit disappointed with them um, last season. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing if, if these new signings do make an impact. Um, meanwhile, one club that have been very busy indeed um, is Brighton. They have made a trio of signings. Aileen, Eileen, Whelan, apologies if I've said her name incorrectly. Um, Kaylee Green, Megan Connolly, 
um, who have signed new one-year deals with the club. Um, these new contracts come 48 hours after the club announced the signing of South Korea striker Liga Min on a permanent basis from Manchester City. Um, Megan Brighton finished sixth last season. Um, do you think that these signings signify that fans can get excited to see some improvements? Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, three of those are just contract extensions on existing players. Um, but obviously, I'm I'm sure fans will be delighted to see um, Liga Min stay on a permanent basis. She's definitely uh, an attacking force that Brighton are lucky to have. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see how Brighton fare. They, I feel like last season, they were always kind of a team that you didn't really know what to expect from them. I feel like whenever I watched Brighton, they were either really good and surprised you a lot, or they were quite average mm. um that's not me this in any of the brighton fans i just thought the consistency perhaps was kind of lacking uh from their game you know they brought some real shockers results last season and they also had some really you know bang average performances so i definitely think coming off the back of these signings um brighton fans should definitely be excited but also perhaps looking for a bit more consistency in their team next season and hopefully these signings can bring that for them Yes, uh, fingers crossed for them as as a neutral. Um, looking forward to seeing seeing what happens. Um, Jay, what's been your personal best bit of business so far? It must be Ruby Mays to Manchester City. Yeah, it has to, because I believe this is a very hot take, but I believe Ruby Mays has had more of an impact on WSL than Lauren James has, and Lauren James has gone to Chelsea for like fifty, seventy thousand. And City have practically got roommates for free. So I believe. And she's only 17. Think about the experience that roommates is going to get at Manchester City. By the time she is Lauren Hemp's age, she could be insane. I believe City have also, once again, they've taken a young talent that they see will actually do amazing things. And they've brought them to City. And then this is what's going to make them win the league very soon. I don't believe they'll win the league this season, but I think for years to come, it will just be City, 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 City. Great. <laughs> That's good to know. Um, are you not a little bit bitter about her move or you're more just supporting the player? I I support the player, but also I, I'm bitter because I never wanted her to even go on loan to Birmingham. Mm. I thought that was a bad decision regardless. So it was kind of like, it shows that she wasn't in Arsenal's plans as much and if you're not being if you're just gonna let a talent like that just go out on loan then you don't deserve to have her at the club like player fair enough you yeah you have your your thoughts on that one and and yeah i i kind of agree with you really if you're not gonna play a a player then then let her go and you know maybe they'll be kicking themselves later um megan what about you what's been your best bit of business I mean, obviously, there has been so much, so many exciting transfers happening in the WSL. But for me, one that's really excited me and has got me buzzing um, to watch her again is Tony Duggan back to Everton. Yeah, I'm so excited to see her back in the WSL, back in England. Um, obviously, she did bits with Man City um, before moving out to Spain, um, and I think she's kind of dipped in form a bit in the last few seasons with that with Atletico. Um, and I'm just really excited to see her back on home soil. Everton, obviously, it's her home club from when she was a, a young player. 
Um, and I really think if she finds her stride again and finds her form, she can absolutely tear up the WSL. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I agree. I think that she has, you know, maybe fallen a little bit by the wayside in, in Spain and hopefully she can uh, get back to, to being the player that we all have have loved watching over the years. Um, I mean, looking at the moves that, you know, WSL teams have made so far, Jay, do you think that this could be the most competitive season yet that's upcoming? Mm, I don't think so. I think it's going to be a very exciting season, but it is naturally just going to be Chelsea versus City. Do you reckon? To the end. Yeah, because the thing is they've strengthened. Both teams have strengthened incredibly. So it's it, it was already hard enough trying to get past them last season. Now they've brought in even better mm. players. It it's just gonna be it's gonna take so much investment from all the other teams to get near Chelsea and City. Arsenal have done quite they've done really impressive in terms of bringing in Frieda Manum, bringing in Iwabushi. Those are great players that show that Arsenal are trying to get there. But I feel if you look at all those elevens, Chelsea's and City's are the best. So mm. I think once you get ignore those two it will be very competitive yeah I think that that's more kind of what I meant in that obviously you've got City and Chelsea kind of at at the top you know cream of the crop but kind of like below that in more kind of like the the middle to like the the higher part of the table before those two do you feel like that's going to be a lot more competitive this season when you compare it to last oh yeah 100% I think even the, the, I think the beauty of this WL season is I think Leicester will really surprise teams. Mm. I think Leicester, I, I'm not, you won't like hearing this. I think Leicester could finish above United. Whatever. <laughs> because I feel this Leicester team, they have a out and out striker. I think one of the best ways to finish high in the WSL is having a striker that scores goals. The fact that Leicester have Shannon O'Brien, Natasha Flynn and Jess Sigsworth, that means there's an abundance of goals in that team. They've got Charlie Devlin that can create. They've got a great goalkeeper in Kirstie Lavelle. I think a lot of people talk about like Everton, Brighton, Reading making moves, but I think what is coming into the WSL and Leicester is a team that people should not ignore. I would agree, definitely. I think that um, I'm personally scared. And excited <laughs> to see uh, to see what they will bring. Um, but yeah, I've, I've been really impressed with them them so far and the bits of business that they have done. Um, but yeah, looking forward to to seeing what they bring. Um, now there have been some rumours in the last week that PSG and Manchester City are amongst several top clubs who are interested in Chelsea Academy style at Rihanna Blades. Now she was on Chelsea's Twitter recently for scoring a cracking goal. Megan, surely, you know, Chelsea are not just going to hand her over to another top club like that. Yeah, I think it's a tricky one, really, when it comes to young, exciting um, talents, young academy players, because Chelsea have got to make the decision as to whether they're committed to developing her at the club. But obviously that means she's not going to get really any game time, but she will be training with some of the world's best footballers. Or whether Chelsea think, you know, let's loan her out, let's have her have a bit of 
own a bit of experience elsewhere and then she can come back to us a more refined player. I mean, I think it goes without saying, doesn't it? She's She's got raw talent. Um, just from the goal she scored, you can see she's she's got so, so much potential. Um, and I think Chelsea is definitely a, a brilliant club to be able to harvest that. Um, it's just whether Chelsea decide that she fits part of their plans. I mean, I think it... What from what we can see with Chelsea's squad this season is, it's probably one of I would say one of the hardest 11s to get into in the world at the minute. I would go as far as to say. Um, so of course, for a young player, all you want to be doing is playing, getting experience, getting match time, and I don't realistically see that happening with Chelsea. So perhaps a loan spell could be good, but I think Chelsea personally would be silly to um, sell her off completely. Yeah, I I agree. I think maybe we could, we could see uh see a loan or two happening. Maybe uh, Chelsea will settle on that. But speaking of Manchester City, um, there have been reports that they have offered Atletico Madrid over one hundred thousand euros um in bonuses for star defender Lai Alexandre. Um, the Spanish international has one year left on a contract. So obviously, if she does not renew, she will leave on a free transfer next summer. Atleti have reportedly declined City's offer. Jay, do you think that City will get their player, especially when you look at um, what you would you would class as perhaps a, a disappointing season last season for Atletico? Yeah, I definitely think City will get their player. I think if you really put the, if you compare those two teams, City will have a better year than Atletico Madrid will have, and because of that, no player is really going to say City want me. And Atletico want me to stay. You want to do what's best for your career. And they're offering a big fee. I would even say City don't do this and look in the WSL instead of spending all that money for someone that's in a different league because there is the talk that WSL is the best league in the world. Therefore, instead of putting all that money into an Atletico Madrid defender, why don't you look at West Ham that have Grace Fisk? Mm. She's only three years older. She'll probably be a lot cheaper and then you have a guaranteed defender that you can actually trust. Whereas at Atletico Madrid, she would have to come to the WSL and adjust, and it might not be the league for her. So I think City will definitely... If there's money on the table, you will definitely get the player, but I think City should look elsewhere. Yeah, I understand where you're coming from with that one because, you know, as we've seen, you know, quite a few times over the years, you know, it, it can be a bit of a gamble sometimes bringing in a player from... Um, from a different league. I mean, um, we've spoken about Atletico before, but uh, Megan just wanted to ask you, you know, looking at some of the players that have left, um, you know, the the new upcoming season, do you think that Atletico can genuinely turn things around next season? Or do you think that the, um, the league in Spain is going to be a lot more competitive this time around? You know what? I really hope they do. I I've got a soft spot for Atletico. I really do. They they've cut. They have fallen off the mark the past few seasons, which I think is really disappointing to see. Seeing as um, in recent history they were just such a powerhouse of football, especially in Spain. Um, so they're another team that have been doing a lot during this transfer window. Obviously lost some big names, but have been bringing plenty of personnel in. So I really would love to see um, Atletico up there challenging again. But when you have the likes of a team such as Barcelona in your league, they have to perform some sort of small miracle, I think. They want to be pushing for um, 
the league title again. I mean, Barcelona, just when you think they can't get any stronger, they they somehow do. And you, you watch them in pre-season and you just think it's got to take something really, really special uh, to overcome this team. So I really do hope Atletico can turn their fortunes around a bit and pick up their season because I, I'm sure um, this, they share the same sentiment. But I think they've had a really disappointing and underwhelming past few seasons. Yeah, I mean, I, I tend to agree with you. I have a little bit of a soft spot for them and uh, I, I do hope that they can turn things around, even if it's just for, you know, my own uh, enjoyment watching the league and seeing, you know, more teams in involved in the in the battle, maybe not for first position, but for, you know, those other two spots in Europe. Um, you know, moving uh, back to talking more about um, UK football and in other news this week, there has been a lot of discussion about the FA Cup. Um, We've spoken about it before on the podcast regarding the money earned from the competition, etc. And figures released last week show the winners of the men's competition will earn £1.8 million in contrast to the winners of the Women's FA Cup this season who will receive 25000 just 1.4% of the men's prize. Um. Meanwhile, the FA, the women's FA Cup runners-up stand to pocket 15,000 compared to 900,000 in the men's equivalent. A trend also reflected in the prize fund throughout the earlier rounds of the competition. I mean, we kind of already knew this, but seeing that in black and white, Jay, what do you make of this? I just think it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. And I feel like there's always going to be those people that say, well, the men's game's earning more, this, this, this and that. But I'm sure if you look throughout the entire FA Cup, not every men's team is making up those numbers. Mm. And if they true... The thing is, sometimes it's not always about what people are bringing in. The simple decency could be to fix that number. 1.4% isn't good enough, regardless. And it actually doesn't... It wouldn't hurt if they even close the gap. Yeah, exactly. Like, it doesn't have to be exactly the same, but, I mean, more than 1.4%, like you say. Yeah, exactly that. Exactly that. It's just... And the thing is, I I believe that this can happen, but you just have enough people that don't care, and then that's it. Like, the people that make the decisions above, if they're not... If if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Mm. But they don't care about improving the situation. Yeah, I mean, it's very, very frustrating. And I mean, the FA have defended the figures, saying that they recognise the significant disparity between prize money for the men's and women's competitions, and that these are determined by the amounts of money generated through commercial revenue, including national and international broadcast rights. Megan, do you think this is an acceptable excuse? I think the key word there is excuse, really, isn't it? That is as much as we can credit that statement um i think we have to kind of boil it down to the basics and recognize the fa uh as for what they are they're a governing body that sole purpose is to further the sport of football in england and like jay Jay said i don't think anyone's asking for the the prize monies to be completely equal we're not you know we're not ludicrous we're just asking for a reduction in the difference now if the fa are doing what they're meant to be doing and furthering the sport of football 
in England, how can they seriously turn around and say to women and girls who play football that they are truly committed and dedicated to that cause when the figures stand as to how they are? Um, I think it's really, really poor. And I think uh, it comes to a point, I obviously understand that, yes, the figures are different when it comes to the broadcasting and the revenue. Of course, that's bound to happen. I mean, the sport was banned only... 50 years ago remember by your very selves but you know moving on from that the FA have to put their money where they're at you know you can talk the talk but you ha it comes a point where you have to walk the walk um and I think if the FA they want to be taken seriously by girls and women who play football in England and for us to actually look at them and think that they are doing their utmost to making football an accessible and fair sport for everyone then surely they have to reduce the gap when no one's asking for a complete equality across the prize money. But there has to be some significant um, increase because otherwise it's just how can we take it seriously? How can you know, how can they seriously turn around and say they're committed to women and girls playing football and then keep the figures standing as they are? Yeah, I, I completely understand where you're coming from. And like like we've all said, you know, nobody's expecting the prize funds, you know, for, for these these figures to be exactly the same. But it's like, you almost feel like, I feel like I want to do a survey of these men's teams and say, you know, would you have, you know, le less money if it meant that it went to this? And, and I'd be intrigued to see what clubs would say. I mean, obviously, unfortunately, money does talk a lot of the time, but... um. I would be intrigued by that. I mean, the FA have also defended themselves by saying that, um, and, and I quote, we invested over £18 million into the game plan for growth, our ambitious strategy for the women's game, which doubled participation, delivered professional and semi-professional women's football and a successful England team. In addition, we launched our new inspiring positive change strategy in October last year. And we will work with Barclays FA Women's Super League and FA Championship Clubs to grow audiences and revenues, which will help make women's football in England more commercially viable in the future and allow further reinvestment. They've also blamed the, the pandemic as well, because why not throw in the pandemic? Um, I mean, James, these things are, you know, these things that they've done are, are great, but they've kind of got nothing to do with what we're talking about, really. And I'm sure people would turn around and say, well, you know what? If you invested a little bit less than the eighteen million pounds and put that into the the prize pot, people probably would have appreciated that more. Yeah, it's just a case of they can say this amazing number of eighteen million, but say that to all the professional players that have to have second jobs. Yep. So all of the teams that are struggling to get by, like this eighteen million, where does it go? It's not like you can clearly see this is what it does, this is what it does. No, there's so many teams that are struggling. There's so many teams that can't even get to their FA Cup games. They can't even afford to, to travel back and stuff like that. So it just seems like it's easy to say a lot of... Because like when they tell me the game plan for growth, I don't understand what that means. Like If you just say that to a random in the street, the game plan for growth, <laughs> they're not going to understand what that means. Yeah. Instead of just saying, we put 80 million into the prize fund, we put 4 million into the prize fund. I understand that. So it's easy to put up all these different things, like all these kind of interesting, ambitious strategies. But the most important thing is that you up the prize money and you play the and you pay the players. Like that's it's not difficult. Just make it so that players do not have to have second jobs, so that they don't have to have put football on the, on the back burners. 
while they're working. It's, exactly. It's really not hard. Exactly. And then, you know, if you have footballers that can fully focus on their careers, um, you know, I'm sure that would make make quite a difference. I mean, Megan, do you think or maybe hope that with the women's game being, well, the, the attempt, I guess we'll have to wait and see what happens with the upcoming season. But, you know, these attempts and these promises of the game being more televised, being seen more by people, do you think that this will maybe go towards helping, you know, bridging some gaps, I guess, if the FA see that X amount of people are watching certain games, this might make them finally, you know, lift their heads up and, and take note, because I guess in, in that way, they're more likely to see commercial revenue or whatever, shall we say? Oh, yeah, undoubtedly. I mean, I think the biggest um, interest, the, the most interesting thing to see in terms of te- uh, televisation of the, the game this season will be how the WSL fares on Sky Sports. Obviously, that was an absolutely huge deal that was signed, really groundbreaking at the time. And obviously now it's just around the corner so I think this is almost kind of like the experiment, isn't it, to see how it's the first huge major TV deal um, being broadcasted nationally. Will we see the figures we have to see? Will we see the rise? Will we see women's football become more lucrative because more people can watch it on TV? I think it's that's all to be answered within this next season. But I would go as far as to say yes. Um, it will definitely help to bridge the gap. I think just the simple fact of exposure just does so much. It has such a domino effect, I think, in all the other facets um, that make up women's football, all the other parts, you know, the business side of it. So I, it'll be really interesting to see, but I think it's it's you know, it's safe to say that definitely being able to watch the WSL week in, week out on Sky Sports, you know, before the men's football or in a double header or what have you, will definitely, definitely help to uh, grow the game. Yeah, I, I agree. And I've just got my fingers crossed that that everyone de- delivers on what they've promised. And, um, and you know, we, we have that exposure that is that is really needed. Um Finally, you know, before we wrap things up, of course, the Women's International Champions Cup is happening this week. Now, although it's just a friendly tournament, of course, watching two uh, of the best teams in Europe go against two of the top sides from the USA is going to be exciting. We've got Barcelona, Leon, Portland Thorns, Houston Dash all taking part. Leon will take on Barcelona and Portland Thorns will play Houston Dash. Then the losing European team will meet the losing American team on Sunday, um, obviously for, for third third spot. And then this will then be followed with a fixture between the, the two winning sides, shall we say. Um, and I just thought I could get your thoughts, maybe get some predictions, etc., um, Jay, we'll start with you. Leon versus Barcelona. What are your thoughts on this one? It's going to be a good one, surely. Yeah, I can't call it. I can't call it. But I just call this the early Champions League final. So uh, it's like okay. whoever whoever comes out on top, watch out for them this season. Whoever loses, watch out for them this season because it's pretty much it's just the clash of the titans. But whichever titan loses, they'll probably beat most other teams. So it's like. It's going to be good to see how they fare against each other. I hope they'll be more attacking than defensive because both teams are aware both can hurt them. So you don't want them to kind of close up and just battle it out for a 1-0. So I hope it's just all guns blazing and may the most potent attack win. 
Very true. I mean, I, I kind of feel like, I don't know, people maybe are thinking maybe Barcelona might edge it just because they've been, you know, so good. But I have a feeling that they might come unstuck. I don't know why. I've just got a strange feeling and I'm maybe going to go for a Leon win. I'm not too sure what the scoreline would be. What about you, Megan? Yeah, it's set to be an absolute corker. Um, I completely agree with Jay. It's going to be really, really um, evenly matched, I think. Obviously, two powerhouses in their respective European leagues. Um, it's really difficult to call, but I think I've got to agree with you. If I had to put my money on one, I'd probably tip towards Barcelona. Just with their performances in pre-season they've been having and their run of form they're on from last season, they they are just on another level. But yeah, it's, it's set to be really exciting. It will be. I, I really can't wait. And then, of course, we've got Portland Thorns against Houston. Uh, Dash, Jay, what are your your thoughts on this one? Yeah, the Dash haven't really turned up this season, so mm. I don't really. Rachel Daly's back. She might help them being up front when she normally plays left back and right back. So who knows? But I'd definitely say Portland Thorns three one. 3-1, we've got a score. I, I like yeah. that. I would tend to agree that I think Portland will will probably take this one. What about you, Megan? Yeah, I've got to agree with you two on this one. I definitely think the odds are in Portland's favour. Um, just, you know, Houston haven't really, um, you know, kind of marked themselves as a team to beat yet um, this season. Um, so Portland, I think, will definitely be entering the game, hoping to get that win under their belt. Yeah, I mean, do you guys think that maybe the American teams have the upper hand because they're in the middle of their leagues? Or maybe Leon and Barcelona have an upper hand because they're just kind of warming up? Or, or Jay, what do you reckon? I I just, I think the, the different levels of talent are quite a bit, so I think Barcelona could have just got off the plane and I still think that they would pretty much beat the NWSL teams. The beauty of Barcelona is they love to pass the ball, so even if you're not feeling up to it, you can just make the team chase and chase the ball. So, especially Leon as well, the amount of talent that's in that team, it's like... And the thing is, they have such a mentality to win, so it doesn't matter... When, whether it's the first game, whether it's the 35th game, they want to win every single game. So I think it doesn't help either. It doesn't help the WSL teams. Yeah, I mean, Barcelona could have probably rowed their own boat there and they'd still yeah. be still be up for it, wouldn't they? Um, <laughs> Megan, what do you reckon? Are you uh, team, team Europe for this one? Do you think they've probably got the upper hand or...? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think Barcelona and the European leagues are in kind of, a league, they're in, they're on a level of their own, really. I think there's so many um, different factors to European football compared with American football. Um, I think one of the most favourable for the European side being the intensity of the game, especially with a team up like Barcelona. I mean, the whole ethos of the club is that, you know, that famous tiki-taka passing. It's so high intensity, it's constant. Um, and I, it's not something that's really been instilled in any of the American teams. So I've absolutely, I'm at my foot's in the um, European camp here. Yeah, I would probably agree with you both. I've I've got a good feeling that uh, it will be a European team winning. Um, 
Uh, and finally, you know, Jay, um, who do you think will be in the final? I know it's a tough one for you, and you've kind of already answered it. But what do you think the the outcome will be? I'd say Leon, because Barcelona have got a new manager, mm. and I think it will take time for that philosophy to get into them. They've also played a lot of games, so. It, it's, it's fair enough if they are a bit tired yeah. and if they are a bit... And players have come back from the Olympics, so they're not going to be as fresh as possible. And Daniela van der Donk has now moved to Lyon, so that obviously boosts their chances. And I think Lyon are under a lot of pressure because they did not have a great season. So I think they need to set down the marker by beating Barcelona and saying, we are still the best. So I, I see hmm, if it came down to it, I think Lyon would beat the fawns like five nil. Oh wow, you've that's a a, a big scoreline. I'll take that one, Megan. What about you? I think I'm gonna probably have to tip towards Barca being the European team in the final. I just think they are they're just so class. Um, every team they come up against, they kind of work out their insecurities on the pitch and exploit it, and they just have some of the best players in the world available to pick. So, especially with Leon as well, I think it can almost be, obviously, the disappointment they had of last season, um, you know, being infamously beaten by PSG for them. It's it almost kind of, you could almost treat it as their redemption game, really, because obviously there was a lot of talk after that is, is this now the fall of the Leon dynasty? And I think this match will kind of be a chance for them to prove whether these doubters right or wrong, really. But for me, I think I'd tip the final towards being Barca, um, Portland, and I do see Barca taking home the win. I'd probably, I'm going to go with a 2-0 scoreline. Okay. I'm, I'm really, I am kind of tied because I do feel like with Leon, this is so important. This is not a friendly. This is serious for them to kind of, you know, get a cup and be like, we're doing all right. We're still brilliant. It's all good to kind of instill, you know, a little bit of calm amongst everybody. Like we've got a cup, guys, friendly or not. Um, so I guess I don't know from that sense as much as Barcelona are brilliant. Maybe I'll edge towards Leon um, just because even though I don't know why I would feel sorry for them because they've won so much. I did kind of feel bad for them last season. Um, again, no idea why. There's clearly something wrong with me. But yeah, maybe uh, maybe Leon getting... I, I don't know if I'll be as ambitious as Jay, but I'll maybe go with... Maybe like a, a 3-1 victory I will go for. But um, all very, very exciting. Um, and yeah, I'm very... Yeah, I'm looking forward to a, a friendly tournament that I feel will maybe be be not so friendly i think everyone will be taking this one pretty seriously so that is it for this week's podcast as always a big thank you to my guests to megan and jay for joining me and to all of you for listening if you do want to get in touch it is podcast at onefootball.com and make sure that you head to the likes of spotify apple music etc if you want to hear more from one football and our podcasts <laughs>